you're tuning in to an episode from Adventure Emerge 2021, the number one entrepreneurship conference for students and researchers worldwide. This episode is brought to you by our event sponsors, Edinburgh Innovations and Vonage. Building the right team is, is the most fundamental thing that you can do. Getting people aligned to the mission and keeping them pushing forward, I think, is incredibly important. With us today, we have two amazing founders. Firstly, we have Bastian, the founder of Wave. Wave is a financial app for Gen Z that combines banking, financial education and advice all in one app. Founded in 2021, Wave recently raised an impressive 5 million euros. Prior to co-founding Wave, Bastian founded another fintech, which I'm not going to pronounce because it's in German, which enables students to find the best loans and scholarships to finance their, students, to finance their studies. And it was approved as the first digital platform to offer, to offer the German government-backed study loan from KFW. So welcome, Bastian. And it's called Julian uh, Financing, so maybe something we practice all together later on. We also have Ferraz. So Ferraz is the founder of the YC-backed Baraka, which is a commission-free online trading app for MENA and enables anyone to invest in a wide variety of ETFs, stocks, and US-listed securities, as well as fractional shares with as little as one US dollar. Baraka also has a paid tier for more savvy investors, and apart from trading, Baraka also aims to educate its users about all things investment. Since its launch in early August this year, Baraka has achieved over 5,000 app downloads and over 10,000 users on their wait list. So welcome as well. And last but not least, who on earth am I? My name is Maya Caddle. I am a full-time product manager and I'm about to join a new African crypto startup led by one of the leaders in the crypto space in Africa. Before that, I worked for a tech unicorn based in London as a product manager focused around expansion localization, led them actually into the Arabic speaking world. So Saudi Arabia and UAE were our key models. And before that, I lived in both Hong Kong and Kenya and consulted a Tanzanian telecom on the side about building mobile money products for the Muslim community in Tanzania. So I have quite a good grounded in fintech and especially looking at the underserved communities. But let's get to the real crux of this. Let's have our, dis our fun discussion. So one of the first things I actually wanted to ask you both of you is, could you tell us more a bit about your target customers? Because I guess not everyone will really understand who you're trying to serve. What are their needs? And it would also be helpful to understand why do you think they've been overlooked for such a long period of time? Perhaps you could start this, Veras. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, we're, we're understanding them more and more every day, but I think generally they're young or they want access to financial products, but they want to be spoken to in a certain way. They want to understand in a certain way. They, you know, they want to be, they want the ability to back the companies and the causes that, that they feel strongly about. And I think that stuff has been lost in traditional financial, financial markets. I think it's very, um, the way it's done by the incumbents is that it's, it's focused on a certain demographic that that really doesn't you know cater in that way to this younger generation and so we we see quite a bit you know that you know we produce quite a bit of content on our platform and and we speak to our, our users in a in a way that they wouldn't necessarily expect the financial platform to speak to them you know in a certain tone of voice and with a certain kind of language and 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 we, we just try to make it more like a lifestyle offering that opposed to, to a kind of like a uh, financial product. 
And I think that's what people want these days. I mean, that's that's what we think that they want. But yeah, I mean, this is a little bit about what, what we're learning. I imagine there's some synergies with that with um, Gen Z, Bastion, right? Many of them, I think. So first of all, I have to maybe split it up a little bit because as it was already mentioned, we started with a, yeah, first of all, I found myself with a very generic approach. I try to change banking for, for my personal generation, for the generation that. Um, six years ago, as I came uh, to Berlin and tried to fight the word, but understood that first of all, before we have to take care about the target group, we have to initially understand a really core, a core issue that has to be solved. And we understood that from our perspective in, in Europe, um, even if it's completely underrepresented uh, compared to US, uh, there's still 80% of this new generation or students within this new generation higher education students that uh, has issues, issues with study financing. So this was more or less the first learning we've made. So our core target group then was of course pretty quickly addressable. People that would love to have a higher educational degree somehow um, that needs money for their lifestyle costs. And uh, yes, an issue could be tuition fees, but first of all, it's about paying your rent. It's about paying your food. And uh, that means 12 million students all around Europe needs uh, every single month any support, any external support for covering their, their monthly costs. This is, first of all, the, the initial target group we faced. And out of this, we, and this, I think the development process over time, we've understood, we supported um, this group to um, yeah, understand and get access to every single uh, financing opportunity that exists on this market, from long-term financing, student loans and income share agreements, educational funds, government support, whatever you can have in mind until really short-term financing. Oh, I need 50 euro right away now in this moment. Um, the one platform, that was the initial um, solution we have to deliver. So bring liquidity for this specific target group generation that students that would love to study somehow and get a higher edu educational degree um, in minutes. And uh, it lasts before somehow months, unfortunately, two and a half months on average, and now it's accessible. Uh, in 10 minutes, and in this 10 minutes, it's even on the account. So we understand that, okay, uh, if it has to be on the account, it makes sense to evolve also this overall target group and, um, and make it more to transact and not only limited to these students that need uh, external financing. And that's why we decided to extend our general approach, extend our target group to WAVE, building up this banking infrastructure, this banking app for, for the entire generation, because, and this is a pretty interesting study we've made, and sorry, it should not be on a very long monologue, but uh, a pretty interesting study we've made at the beginning of this year together with Cindy, one of our investors, that we understood it's not a local and local issue. So this generation that still have the same issues with the financing all over the world. So we understood that there's the same issue with saving money with us, as you said, and, and learning about investment in Germany, in France, in US, as well as in Japan. This is the thing we've understood talking to 1,000 students and 1,000 participants uh, within this generation that. And uh, so more or less, we understood, first of all, it's pretty similar to our core target group of uh, study financing. New generation needs, first of all, liquidity whenever it's necessary in the right moment. This is a core need, and additionally to that, we maybe come to people that uh, are in their job nowadays and uh, would love to extend their liquidity and make more out of this, and now maybe can save and invest in a um, more a more comprehensive way. So this is more or less the involvement of our target group from 
really narrow students, higher education students needs liquidity for study financing. Specific use case now to bring liquidity or give them access to liquidity in the right context. And then over time, we will develop to a platform where you can um, yeah, grow this liquidity we've provided or you receive from your, from your income on a daily basis, uh, really easy accessible within the app with Wave. So the challenge of being for this new generation. One of the things that sprung to mind when you both were talking is, you know, a lot of financial institutions, they really claim to promote financial inclusion. And I think you both touched upon this slightly, but I wanted to delve in it, into it more. What do you think these traditional financial institutions do wrong? Is it simply in terms of how they package their products? Is it how they communicate with users? Or is it more, more nuanced than that? I think first of all, it's about they believe that somebody's interested in doing finance. Uh, first of all, it's uh, the basis we need finance to interact with people. Uh, we would love to live our life and finance is uh, necessary for having these interactions, for having these, these fun in our, uh, on a daily basis. So uh, more or less understanding that uh, nobody takes care in general about finance. Even if you have, even if you're under pressure, your first thing is not like, oh, it's important now to take care about finance. Your first idea is like, where, get a, uh, where do I get my liquidity from? So more or less, it's uh, quite often not a softening prophecy. And we believe that, first of all, it's not necessary to tell them finance is important, first of all. And I think Ferris is also the thing you said already and you mentioned, it's a lifestyle or you need this for your lifestyle. So we make it a lifestyle product for you so that you have no restrictions in your daily life. And even then you have fun using the app getting, for instance, we have a newsletter that's called the Surf. Even if you have a name that's called Wave, nothing should be uh, compared to, to a banking product, but this newsletter Wave, this was only a small test. And nowadays we see 40% of our waiting list signups reads this pretty simple newsletter, one specific topic that we select, like uh, why the Olympics are still named 2020 and not 2021. We explain this in a two minute snippet and 40% uh, of our waiting list signups read this new newsletter every single week. So make it a way more fun, explain these things uh, way easier, um, definitely helps out and uh, believe that there are many, many, many use cases on our daily life. People would love to understand in an easy way. Traditional banks take, takes care about first and four, explaining finance. And explaining finance is not really sexy anyhow. In any case. This is our perspective. Yes. What about you? <laughs> I think you've covered most of it, quite honestly. But you know, I think communication is a is a key element. I think that you know, before the likes of Robinhood and you know these other kinds of platforms that really change things, traditional finance didn't really address a younger audience, did they? I mean, they didn't. You know, the the color schemes, the 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 pictures, the images, the you know the words. It just didn't really suit a younger audience at all. And it was coming from a place of being a necessity and almost like a privilege. You know, you need to do this banking, you need to have a credit card, you need to be offered the service to, to become something where, you know, became very competitive very quickly because all of these kind of challenger fintech platforms realized that actually if you make something that people really want to use, it's, it's actually quite a great, you know, wedge into, into this kind of business because it just wasn't being done. And so it's become a lot more user-friendly. And now you're seeing that not only, you know, do you have digital banks, you know, just, you know, global challenger digital banks, but you have digital banks for, you know, communities, right? For younger people, for, you know, immigrant communities, for all sorts of communities. What's happening is that it's being, you know, bifurcated even further now 
into these kind of subgroups, subcommunities. And that's really just about communication and, and you know, serving specific needs, the, the specific needs of certain communities, which is really interesting. And, and, and yeah, it just comes back to this, to this communication point and, and, and being able to find, find something that, so that you can, you know, unite around. So it's, it's really interesting. Massive change. I mean, I... Sorry, my for interrupting you, but I really agree with this and solving a specific issue first. Yeah. So it's not like, okay, having this general approach of we can deliver something pretty easily in, in, in minutes. This is cool. But first of all, it's about finding a clear issue that has to be solved for this specific group of minorities or of uh, generations. I think this is the core key that not a traditional incumbent has the time for now. They have to deliver in a short time. And, um, that takes care about minorities uh, that has different issues that could be solved with an overall generic problem uh, product. So, so Wallace would definitely agree and maybe make this small addition. So that actually really nice leads on to my next question because, you know, these groups, these communities are have been historically overlooked. They have a lot of financial needs as well. So how did both of you go about determining which product or which services should be part of the MVP version of your company? How did you determine the user's greatest? Do you want to go first first? <laughs> I'll go first. Look, I think uh, I think when we were first looking at it, what we realized was that it has to just be as simple as possible. And so as easy, as simple, and as, you know, not as intimidating as some of these other apps. And so if you can accomplish that in an easy way somehow, I think that solves, you know, 60 to 70% of the problem for the most part. It's just, it's just creating a product that is intuitive in nature. And so in terms of features and products and different services and stuff, I mean, these things get built over time. I think well, partly our mistake was that we tried to do too much too early. And what you end up seeing is that you don't have any real data. You know, 100 people testing your app, telling you how awesome it is, is not what it's like when 10,000 people are using your app. It's completely different, actually. And so you probably should hold off as much as possible as you, you know, before you, you know, on, launch these different features and products. It's really just doing one thing, doing it really well. And so I, I guess that we were trying to do that. We're still trying to do that, to be quite honest. I mean, trying to create like a, a simple, intuitive product and then go from there. So, yeah, so we, we tried to make it as simple as possible. Buy, sell, you know, what's the you know, easiest flow to buy, sell a stock, you know, least intimidating and a lot of learning on that side. You know, it's, uh, it's still a very iterative process, but the more data you have, the better it is. So that's been our experience with that. Quick question before you answer my initial question, Ambassador. So far as you mentioned that, you know, it's a constant learning process. What has been the most surprising thing that you've learned thus far that you didn't expect your users to do or, you know, you didn't expect your users to behave or need something? That's interesting. You know, I could probably give you a very detailed answer. I could give you a very high level answer, like, you know, on a, on a very like detailed basis. I, 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 you know, some of the funding behavior has been really, really interesting for us, like 55 to 60% of our customers transfer less than a hundred dollars and they then follow up with you incessantly to, you know, for their money to be credited and, and then immediately they transfer a lot more money, you know? And so what's interesting is that people still want to test, like they still want, I just want to make sure my wire got there and it's like, okay, well, you know, now it is, now it's gotten there and then they're just much more easy about the process. So building trust, I guess, you know, so that's the very detailed answer. I think 
the more high level answer is kind of like building trust takes time and it takes, uh, you know, you could lose it in a second, but it, it does take time. And I think, you know, you have to build it up over time. I, I kind of thought like, oh, we'll turn this, the lights on and, and we'll just go. It's not really like that. You know, it takes a little bit of time for people to, to, to get accustomed to you. And, and people ask questions, you know, they check our, you know, they want to know about our financial licenses and they check our register and, you know, everything. It's, it's great. But, but like some of that stuff probably, because I don't, I haven't done that myself, probably surprised me a little bit more, but it's, it's a good thing. People are conscious. I think that's one thing that sometimes people overlook when they, they think about fintech, that fintech, it's about your raw money, right? So trust is one of the most important currencies um, that or services that you can provide. And I've seen it, you know, I've spoken to loads of founders, primarily on the continent of Africa, who've been built with fintech products and how trust can go like that. And that it may not even be your fault. It may be that a service that you rely on is out or goes down. You have to therefore make sure that your customers can still do what they need to do and communicate with them um, really clearly, really concisely, answer all their needs and their worries. Because at the end of the day, it's their hard earned money that they're parting with. And it's a fintech, it's an unknown entity for them, which is why I guess it's always interesting successful for um, referral links are for fintechs and whether that changes users behavior does it just because let's say I refer you Ferraz does that mean that you're less likely to need to test out and put a test amount are you more trusted I don't know if you have that information <laughs> as of yet maybe it's still early days but it's always an interesting thought that I have yeah, I mean, that, it's still early days for us on that. But yeah, I, I take your point. I mean, it's, I do, I do think increasingly people are, are, you know, making decisions more on a communal basis. And so after that first point, you know, different kind of digital banks or different offerings for sub, like, you know, subgroups, sub demographics or whatever. I think people are really relying more and more on their, on their communities. And so if I'm referred something by a friend, probably take it more seriously than if it's if it's not if it's referred by somebody else outside of that group and then if you know it's, if it's not referred at all so yeah i think that even applies in, in the app as well you know referral links work that stuff works but i think it's really about creating engagement with the community and, and building it out from there so i agree definitely i think community is one of the hot words of startup tech ecosystem of this year and it's true because so it that's we're all social beings and it's been overlooked or communities have been viewed in a very narrow je way just with social media social networks but they feed through in so many different ways which is why perhaps you're seeing all of these startups becoming more social in nature but to go back to the initial question bastion so you get a chance to answer it as well so initially i had asked how do you go about deter how do you that's go about determining yeah, how did you right. go about it? Sorry, go on. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. Right. There's a short delay, short delay, so I would not interrupt you. Maybe you can <laughs> say your sentence and then I will start. <laughs> so, I was gonna, so the question was, how did you go about determining which products to really focus on as part of your MVP? How did you determine what were your users' greatest needs? Yeah, so I think, first of all, it was more less in really natural development out of this core product that we initially developed. So we understood that this generation or more or less these people we served before has a clear need. They will never be, or it's their goal to be never out of money, out of liquidity when it's necessary. So we understood that first of all, we have to identify all situations 
where they maybe need money and uh, this is not accessible due to many external effects. So it could be first of all, because yeah, and I think this is the most obvious thing because they have no cash on their account. Then we have to deliver any opportunities that we may um, integrate. So more or less study financing opportunities could be an overdraft. It could be something that we now understood even before the the first product launch, we, we've tested a, a user cohort out of our initial study financing product that um, this cohort has to wait six weeks for their payout of the student loan. And we did this payout initially in, in, in minutes out of our own balance sheet. So we've paid out this student loan in real time. And out of this, we understood, of course, this, this could be also another opportunity. So they, they're eligible for a product. They maybe has access, but not at the right, right moment. We should give this money in advance. So this is the second check mark we've made. So giving opportunities, providers, they can deliver this, pay on this liquidity on a, on a month of a month perspective, like a student loan or an overdraft on the day per day perspective. Maybe they can get uh, their salary, their student loan in advance. This could be another option. But this was the core basis that brought us to the idea, okay, we now have to enable an account, a fully fledged current account, more or less to this user group, because then it makes it makes it also way easier for uh, offering overdraft, offering advanced payout in seconds and not in days. Uh, this is also, I think, an improvement we've made. So initially, it's like uh, we did many, 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 many user tests every single day. And so on average, we have 10 user days um, out of this initial waiting list group every single day and try to understand, okay, uh, what are the core issues of this user group, of this initial cord? And, and then I think deep dive into this uh, initial needs, uh, liquidity, having money on their account. This is of course one issue, but it could also be having the opportunity to pay with your um, smartphone. Yeah? So mobile payment as distributed in Germany as it should be. Yeah? So this could be an issue as well. Or if you lose, uh, lost your phone or you still not have, it, have access to this right now, get this card. So different devices that gives you access to the liquidity. Uh, maybe it's a little bit uh, basic, a little bit generic. We understood that yes, it is still an issue since uh, most of these generate or generation that people have their account at a community bank, and this community bank still has no debit credit card, right? they still have no advanced payout or free overdraft for this new generation. So, more or less, giving this underbanked um, or somehow not very well served generation a new financial home out of our core, and everything uh, comes out of our core use case core platform of study financing. We're going to assert, okay, liquidity is still an issue and we can improve this over time with saving rules. This could be an option of this with amazing opportunities to invest, uh, but this is um, then the next step, making more out of this initial liquidity. That's a pretty, pretty natural process out of this core core platform we've developed. I think the best data, first, that better data is key. Huh? We have wanted 20,000 students since 2018 use this platform and asking 120,000 students quite often, what do they need? I think that helps as well, getting getting really, really deep insights, which moment, at, which moment we should support. Uh, we have the transparency when somebody's moving house. This could be uh, for the first time uh, having your own flat. This could be a use case that additionally where we can support and out of this user interviews every single day. This is the short answer. Every single day we've identified the core is liquidity. And then the next step will be guidance and making more of the money in the right context.
And this is how we define our functionalities in the MVP and extension. I think, you know, as in I'm a product manager and I'm a very user-led product manager. So I love the fact that you put that first, right? In terms of actually both of you, in terms of actually engagement of users, because I think there's a lot of people, unfortunately, who think that they know their users and therefore they just, they don't really need to engage with them as much. And I think that's especially true when it comes to entering underserved markets. There's a lot of assumptions. So we've seen that in the past where Western companies Companies have entered emerging markets and assumed, right, same sort of age group, they have the same needs. It's like even, for example, with what you said, Bastion, in, in the UK, as a student, of course you have an overdraft. Like, that's a, just a default. You know, you have contactless everything. But there's differences even in between countries in the developed world, you know. And I think it's really important for anyone out there who's building to make sure that you're always really engaging with and listening to your user and really making sure you know their needs, not just what you think their needs are. And small addition, even if these things are available, you still need this guidance, getting the access or the knowledge, or I think if it was an experience you've made within our studies, we ask why this uh, Zoomers, this people from out of this generation that still not invest and 80% uh, said they have no idea how to do this. So this is impressive. So it's accessible in real time every single day, but they have no guidance to getting access to these opportunities or getting the first um, approach how to start with still an issue with. So then one of my questions is because people talk about financial exclusion, they typically talk about it in a almost a binary way. So it's either about access or it's about education and understanding. and I, I personally think it's probably a marriage marriage of the two. But from both of your experiences, would you say it's more about education for your users or is it more about access if you were to try and weigh it up? Affairs, you can go first as you were muted first. From my perspective, more or less having the knowledge, the knowledge and the trust in yourself to start. So quite often, I think you have heard these things out of your friend or from your friends, from out of the community. But even then, my girlfriend... Uh, still does not use any broken. So I'm telling her every single day, so let's do this together. It's pretty simple, but quite often you are have the fear doing a mistake and that I have to do this on my own later. And my, my, my friend is still not there. And so my boyfriend, I can't ask him. So more or less, I think this knowledge and we believe knowledge has to be educated in the right context. Not uh, So you using courses every single day, this could be, could be fun for sure, but it's like sitting in university and then uh, one month after you, forgot close to everything. So more or less it's like having the right context, doing the intro and explaining that all these questions were asked because we would love to prevent somebody from stealing the identity of this customer, not because we would love to ask so many data points, I get so many data points. It's about preventing somebody and giving these underlying reasons and giving these underlying issues, make them transparent. I think it's the best education you can deliver. So from our perspective, the education does not mean having courses and learning step-by-step step in the right context, give them, give the user the core underlying reason why we do, why we express, why we recommend something. And uh, from our perspective, this makes things way easier besides an excess of this. It's a combination, but if I have to choose and I would love to choose, it's the knowledge I would take. So I'm going to jump in here. I have a theory on this. I mean, I think it's a little bit of both, like Bastian mentioned, access, education, but I, I really think it's a, a has a lot to do with upbringing. And my feeling is that there are 
a lot of people in the world that have grown up knowing about investing and knowing about, you know, wealth generation and, you know, compounding interest and the, the things that, you know, some people just take for granted. And then there's a lot of people who just don't know about that. And, and, you know, it's, it's kind of instilled in you in, in some way at a very early age, but not everybody in the world gets that benefit. And I think that if you have, if you, if you have that, you take it for granted. And if you don't have it, you're severely under advantaged. And I think what's really, really interesting now is that there's a whole new generation of investors the Robin Hood generation, if you will, are growing really, you know, you know, investing in a very thoughtful way, you know, whether you like their approach or not. I mean, these are kids that are growing up 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, who understand what a short squeeze is, who understand, you know, what all of these different, a gamma squeeze, all of these different things that, you know, traditionally, you know, typical hedge funds or uh, sophisticated family offices really know about. And so that's going to change a whole new generation. You know, a whole new generation is going to grow up investing and their children will grow up investing. And so that it's, it, you know, there's a, there's a knock on effect that is, that is incredibly powerful. And so, yeah, so I think, I think it's all those things. And I, and I think the one thing on the education side that is underestimated is the emotional intelligence. It's not necessarily, you know, it's not book smarts in some ways it's, it's knowing not to sell when, you know, you, you have, a, you know, when the market's down and you feel very, very bad about what's happening. It's, it's understanding to buy more in that instance. It's, it's overcoming your kind of your emotion rather than, you know, on, you know, the, the book smarts around it. So I think that's what's really interesting is that you, you have this generation that's growing up understanding these things and are really kind of benefiting from this next wave from this new wave of investing which i think is is incredible in the markets in crypto and all of this stuff so i think it's it's really starting to change it's really exciting it's definitely i guess that fuses a bit the education and the access point in the sense that it it's not even just about having that it's been aware that you need the access in the first place and there's definitely been that shift i think it's accelerated ironically during covid but it's been happening anyway slowly over time and it's about it's needed right because you shouldn't just well my personal view is you shouldn't just have certain privileges just by virtue of birth we need to redistribute that and rebalance that and education is as important as access when it comes whilst i remember anyone who's listening in if you have any questions please feel free to share them and post them in the q a because i have seen some and we'll be getting to them shortly so actually let's get to it now so one of the questions that one of the members of the audience asked was would both of you be able to just willing to discuss more about your fundraising journeys and experiences because I am a venture scout on the side and I've spoken to many founders and I know that fundraising is almost a full-time job and emotionally tiring in itself so it'd be great to hear what has your experiences been like maybe you could kick this off Bastian. Sure I think it's quite often an up and down over this journey so since we started with this study financing approach to us it was clear that we um, take this study financing as the initial use case for building up the broader broader vision. I think this is pretty, pretty meaningful, having um, in mind what you would love to create out of this and at the same time being an operational business as specific as possible, as I said. I think this is a balance you have to you have in this specific time. Um, 
we, we initially started with business angels that has uh, really, really deep knowledge into study financing as well as into consumer brand. And that was our first conclusion that I think then the second step, and I think this is quite often important. So you, of course, get amazing advisors with these angels, with these investors, but first of all, even if you get better in, into pitching something, it's about getting a better understanding of your business and know the key drivers. So since you're understanding these things once or you've improved all the, uh, you show the progress um, and this should be your main focus. First, understanding the issue, understanding how to solve this issue and show this within the method. I think this fundraising journey will get way easier. And quite often it's, I mean, this was my experience and which became part of the Access Premier Plan Play Accelerator in Berlin. This is accelerator program where for instance the challenger bank and 26 was founded many years before and everything was around and this team was pretty amazing but everything was around doing this first fundraising stuff but in these days we have no idea we haven't had any idea about the program the solution and clearly understood the core level we have and i think first of all it's about getting deep deep knowledge about your business doing this for half a year really deep dive into all these metrics validate this metric talk to your customers and then the rest will definitely follow if you have the same method from our perspective because we visualized this growth with um, study financing became also growth from four digit monthly revenue to mid six digit monthly revenue with a seven people team in last year and then of course things will get easier if you're profitable and then starting your next uh, step with the overall banking approach it's never been so easy to to raise a new round and select the partners you want to work together with. So first of all, I think my personal expertise or experience, please take care about these issues, problems from the customer you want to solve and understand the core levers. And then this fundraising will be definitely easier and it helps you to build up uh, significant companies. Otherwise it's maybe the opportunity that somebody says, yes, I want to be part of this, but then you have money and so do not know what to do. So this fundraising is nothing you do for yourself, it's more or less do, uh, you do this for, for your vision and for the overall success and yeah, this should accelerate you. But if you do not know how to accelerate your business, it does make sense to get more money. Huh? So first of all, doing your homework and this is the best experience that we've made. Yeah, I guess to add to that, you know, from the pitch decks I've seen and the startups I've advised who are, and founders who are going through the fundraising process, it, some of the things mistakes I see founders make frequently is not really clearly defining the problem statement and that's especially important when it's a typically ignored segment how if I always say if for example you're to go onto the street and you're to pitch your slides and your deck to someone who has no idea about tech no idea about your segment could they repeat back to you the key information if they can't then you have a it's not clear enough you need to work on it and the problem statement is usually one of the downfalls and equally i guess just as you said bastian that then follows through to how do you validate your idea because ideas are cheap loads of people have ideas how do you go about showing that it's actually a valid idea that there's a need for the problem that you're solving and um, and just to as a reminder to anyone who's listening, that doesn't just have to be pure traction metrics. It could be, for example, saying we've achieved this or there's this indication in the market which shows it or these are the partners we've got who have this knowledge and can sh validate this, even if we can't directly because we don't have a product in market yet. Yeah, and it makes, I think, founders life a way easier uh, for yourself, having the security that you really validated something and not like 
you're living within your dream and believe that this could be a could be a cool, amazing company, having these millions of uh, variations or billions of variations in your mind. Uh, first of all, it's like getting the security on your own that you be really believe that you're solving something meaningful. I think this also helps for, from a daily perspective. And Faraz, what about you? Talk to us about your fundraising experience. You're on mute. Sorry, I think Bastian hit on a couple of good points there. I mean, look, I, I think in fundraising, it's a means to an end, right? I mean, what you're trying to do is is build a great product, build a great business, and you need, a, I think one thing is that the, the, the less you have to raise, the less you have to dilute and, you know, give away, you know, give away to investors. And that ultimately is, it's just a good ethos to live by. I mean, spending less money is ultimately a good thing. And I think that gets lost these days. I think what people want is bigger rounds, more money. You know, it's all about the check size. And I just don't think that you need that in, in, in many cases. I don't think that should be the goalpost. The goalpost is kind of like build a great business, right? It's, uh, you know, don't get, don't get lost in that whole rhetoric behind trying to fundraise and do all that. And this was a great lesson that I actually learned through YC, which, you know, I had a completely different mindset going into the program. And then when I came out, it was, it was just completely different. You know, this is, is very much about product market fit and not so much about how much money you raise. Anyway, I think that, uh, I think you just, you know, fundraising is a kind of a necessarily necessary evil. You don't want to spend as much time on it as you have to, and, and you know, just uh, try to raise as much as as you need, and 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 you know, do it incrementally. I think is, but try to do it efficiently. I think this is the most important thing. Really respect about both of you is that you go beyond. I guess I, fundraising in itself sometimes is a vanity metric, and unfortunately, that's what you hear about, right? When you're reading about startups, that's how their success is usually measured, when in reality, you could have a startup's raised many millions and has zero customers. It happens and isn't or isn't really solving a problem that anyone has. And so I really like that both of you have touched upon that in your in your answers because it's so important and unfortunately the way in which success is typically painted in the tech scene is that it's about fundraising and somehow that your success happens overnight which it definitely doesn't so thank you both for that i'm conscious we we're coming up to the last few minutes there is one other question in the q a which i don't want to ignore and that's actually directed at me which is about in the fintech space and whether i faced any challenges or personally no I've never really felt that because I'm just like I'm here to do a job I will do it well I'll do it to the best of my abilities and then I don't really worry about the rest I have felt at times I have definitely felt a bit as though people I've had to show people that I do have the knowledge but that wasn't so much linked to my gender I think that was linked to the fact that I sound very British and I'm operating in non-British markets um and equally I look very young for my age and so people assume that I have very little experience or knowledge but that's definitely a trend that's changing anyway because there's some amazing young people who are killing it out there so not so much around my gender not to say that does, that doesn't exist I'm sure there are other women who have had that experience but not not for me I don't know if you were about to say something Bastion when I said about the young or whether you just nodded in agreement I'm 24, so what should I say? I started with 18. I don't know what young means for all of us. I think young experience is a good description, but nothing more. Any consolation, you're both very, very young to me. I'm 36, so I'm I'm what they call a boomer. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It doesn't make any difference at all. Um, <laughs> Great that you understand our language. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> must have been a struggle getting on to hop in. Um, exactly. <laughs> it was. So my final question, if you could do really short answers, because we've got two minutes left, is what, out of interest, what do you think are going to be the biggest challenges in both of your drives to ensuring financial inclusion for your target user group? Yeah, I think the most important one, and it's not related to the market, finding the right people to, to fulfill this mission together with us. I think this is the biggest challenge you can have as an, as an early stage team, getting these guys that drive this, this vision together with you and have the capabilities over the next years doing this together with you. I think this is also a significant uh, challenge you can have. I think everything else, we can validate and find opportunities, but only if we have the right brains on our team too. Feel free to join if you believe that this is a mission you would love to fight for. And I think this is a main case why we can pay on this market, um, not finding the best people for our team and finding the best talents. Definitely this, especially in these early stages. Uh, because now we're setting up the foundation of everything. If this is uh, more or less good, but quite often not enough winning such a, such a competitive um, starting situation. So this would be our biggest challenge, I think. I have to agree with that, actually. I think that's, I think, you know, building the right team is, is the most fundamental thing that you can do. Getting people aligned to the mission and, and keeping them, you know, pushing forward, I think is incredibly important. I think, you know, regulation in some cases on fin and financial inclusion is it's not un insurmountable, but sometimes it moves a little bit slower and that creates sometimes more of a barrier than it does uh, uh, not. So I think these things are, you know, we have to live by them, but, but yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's sometimes an issue. I mean, thank you, both of you. This has been a really interesting panel. I've enjoyed myself. Hopefully the audience <laughs> has as well. And just, I don't know if you guys are hiring, but for anyone who's listening, and if you do find either of their startups interesting, just pitch yourself. Even if they aren't hiring for a proper role, just like most of the things I've gotten, I just pitched myself. No one was hiring. No one asked. No one advertised. I just said, this is what I want. This is why I'm good at it. And this is why you need me. And people like that. That goes a long way. And you may get rejected, but you only need one person to say yes at the end of the day. So if you like Wave, if you like Baraka, you know their names, clearly written for you here, drop them a message. And they're very, they seem like very friendly people and you never know where it may lead to. So thank you, everyone. <laughs> Thank you. I encourage that. Yeah, thank you. Please, we are hiring, so just reach out, find me on LinkedIn. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thank you, Maya. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good evening, everyone.